Let's hear the word of the Lord tonight. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. For those online, the words will come up on the screen, but we would encourage you to follow with a copy of the Bible if you have one. And if you haven't got one, then contact us and we'll supply you with a copy of the Scriptures. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of our Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but as long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burnt up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God? For in the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Amen. We'll end the reading there at verse 14. And we pray the Lord to stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own precious and infallible word. Now we do. Amen. Now, my text tonight is taken from 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. It reads as follows. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Now this evening I've entitled this message, God's Answer to Climate Change Activists. See, many of you have heard on TV, you've read in the paper, You've seen on your iPhones information about the recent climate change conference. 
Now, it was called COP26. Now, COP26 has nothing to do with a policeman, nothing to do with an individual in uniform who's age 26. Young people, boys and girls, what does COP26 mean? Well, the word COP means conference of the parties. And it's a reference to representatives of almost 200 countries around the world under the umbrella of the United Nations who meet to debate and to discuss the impact of climate change on a global global scale. The number 26 is a reference to the fact that this is the 26th climate change conference ever. So this year, the Climate Change Conference met in the Sex Centre in Glasgow, Scotland. It met between the 31st of October and the 12th of November. It was held under the presidency of the United Kingdom Cabinet Minister, Alok Sharma. Now, the main topic of discussion was the complex issue of global rising temperatures, of sea levels rising, CO2 emissions, methane emissions, and how to reduce them to net zero and when. 25,000 delegates attended the two-week event, including 120 world leaders. Now, outside the SEC building in Glasgow, there was a whole company of climate change activists and alarmists. And they were outside shouting and protesting about the end of the world and the extinction of the planet. Among them was a young 18-year-old, Greta Thunberg. She's a climate change devotee, a pupil of David Attenborough. She is predicting the extinction of the planet as we know it if we don't act now. One year ago, the BBC ran a programme featuring David Attenborough entitled, and I quote, We need immediate action to stop the extinction crisis. Now, I have a question tonight for those who are here and for those who are listening online, and it is this. Will climate change, global warming, rising temperatures and sea levels, will it result in the end of the world as we know it? Now, the answer is a resounding no. It's a silly, ridiculous claim to predict the extinction of the planet by global warming. Now, tonight, I want to turn you to the Word of God. I want the Word of God to be our guiding light for this very vexing topic. Here's God's answer to the world leaders. Let Boris Johnson listen. Let Joe Biden read. Here's God's answer to the world scientists. Here's God's answer to the media including BBC and Sky. Here's God's answer to those who are creating mass hysteria among the young people in particular. Let's hear the word of God. 2 Peter 3 and 7, But the heavens and the earth, which are now, 
by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Now, I'm not denying that there are environmental problems in the world. I'm not denying the need to sustain the world's natural resources. I'm not saying anything against sustainable farming. God bless the farmers. Or sustainable fishing practices. Or sustainable forestry. I'm all on for the planting of trees. They're all very important subjects. And every true born-again believer who's listening to me should have a concern for the well-being of the planet. Every true born-again believer should be concerned for the genuine relief of poverty. We should be genuinely concerned about those who are sick and diseased in the world that they get proper medical care by nurses and doctors. Are we not concerned tonight about the explosion of sin in our united kingdom and beyond? The lawlessness of the day? Are we not concerned about the breakdown of the family unit the world over? But I want to say tonight, and listen to me carefully, that's not what COP26 is about. If it was, I would preach it and praise it. It's not about that. COP26, listen to me, is about saving the planet from world's extinction. Sadly and regrettably, the world leaders, the scientists of our day, the media platforms of our era have forgotten what the Bible has to say about the subject And they have forgotten that this planet ultimately and its future is in the hands of God. Look at our text again. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. The first thing I want to teach you is this. The Lord's plan of preservation of the earth. See, the Apostle Peter here is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And notice that he states, verse 7, the first word, but. And what does he say? But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store. Now, Peter was writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit 2,000 years ago. And the word but at the beginning of the verse is a joining word. It's connecting to the previous verses. And Peter's addressing here the mindset of the ungodly. He's addressing their speeches in his day and generation. He's thinking of individual leaders. He's thinking maybe even of the scientists of that day, if there was such an individual called a scientist or the media outlets of that day, he's thinking of them speaking with a spirit and mindset of unbelief. What does he say there? Look at verse 3. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts and saying, verse 4, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, All things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. And you see, he added then, for this they willingly are ignorant of, 
that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. He's thinking of those who rejected the record of God's judgment upon the earth in the days of Noah. And he's saying, I detect the very same mind in my day. That's the day of writing. And of course, the rejection of the record of judgment upon the earth in the days of Noah is also the same mindset of many of the world leaders and the scientists and the media outlets of his day. There's a rejection of the Lord and his word. And you see, it's a rejection of what the Lord says is going to happen to the earth. Peter is emphasizing country to man's thinking. And he says this to us, and we bear record, but we want to remember this tonight. The Lord himself is in absolute sovereign and providential control of the earth. If you turn back in your Bible to the book of beginning, the book of Genesis, what do we read in Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22? This is normally emphasized at a time of harvest. Listen to the word of God. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night, shall not cease. While earth remaineth. In other words, it will not always remain. It will not always exist as we know it. It does imply an end. But while it remains, there will always be the seasons. There will always be cold and heat. Day and night, summer and winter. There'll always be spring and autumn. And there'll always be a harvest. This world and its need will be sustained and maintained. Because the earth will remain as long as the Lord in his sovereign eternal purposes. And by the providential outworking of his power determines it to be the case. You see, once you leave the Lord out, forget about him. Then you're forgetting that he's working to a master plan. Young people. There's always been climate changes. There's always been changes in the weather patterns. There's always been floods and earthquakes, volcanic eruptions. There's always been tsunamis. There's always been pestilences and poverty. These are all from the hand of God. And I believe they're directed against men and women primarily for their sinful rejection of him. And all of these things have to be seen against the backcloth of the rejection of the Lord and his authority and his laws over men. And we shouldn't be surprised. And we shouldn't be alarmed at climatic changes in the world. But I want to tell you tonight, it is other foolish of ungodly men, the world leaders, the scientists, the environmentalists to suggest that the world is in immediate danger of destruction it is not and here's God's word Genesis 8 and 22 while the earth remaineth that's God's promise and sadly these world leaders these scientists these environmentalists they're wrong about the beginning of the earth the Bible says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth but they deny that. They deny God's creator and maker. They deny a literal six-day creation. They believe in the theory of evolution, that the world evolved over millions and millions of years. 
But true believers, those that love the Lord and his word, they accept the historicity of Genesis 1 and 3. Genesis 1 and 3 are full of details of the supernatural origins of the creation of the human race, including the fact that God made man in his own image in six days. But I want to tell you something else. They're also wrong about the end of the world. If they're wrong about the beginning, and David Attenborough is, Greta Thunberg is, but they're also wrong about the end of the world. You see, we could say to them, you do err not knowing the scriptures. Because I want you to understand, you see these words, while the earth remaineth, turn over to another verse, Colossians chapter 1, and look with me at verse 17. Colossians 1 and verse 17. Let's hear the word of God. It says this, and he, that's a reference to Jesus Christ, is before all things. And by him, that's a reference to Christ, all things consist. And that word consist means held together. Young people, there's not an atom that moves in the far-flung corner of the whole of the universe that moves without the input and power of Christ. We could say literally tonight, he has the whole world in his hands. He made it. And glory to God, he maintains it. And glory to God, he has mastery over it. The Lord hasn't abandoned the earth. It's his. Listen to Psalm 19 verse 1. Listen to these words. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament showeth his handiwork. Again, the psalmist said in Psalm 24 verse 1, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas, and he established it upon the floods. They are mighty statements about creation, revealing to us something of the eternal power and Godhead of our God. I think it's very interesting and fitting that I mention. Do you know that there's a text of scripture and I think it's the Port Stewart Harbour Wall that's causing great consternation in the um, Causeway and Glens and Antrim Borough Council. The BBC has reported this recently. A sea wall and a scripture text may breach equality rules. The reference is this. The sea is his, and he made it. It's followed by the word of eternity, and then you must be born again. Apparently, it's on council property. There's been a request to that council to repaint it, and the committee of the Causeway Council Coast in Glensborough received that in May 2021. They met behind closed doors last month. A six-man committee voted four to two to refer it to the full council on the ground of a breach of equality rules. Notice our text. The heavens. That's a reference to the aerial and special or spheral heavens. It says, but the heavens and the earth is presently being what? Kept in store. This is a phrase translated from a Greek word used in connection with laying up treasure. Remember, the Lord Jesus made reference to laying up treasure in his day 
Matthew 6 and 19, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and to steal. He made a similar reference in Luke chapter 12. I think it is in verse 21. Listen to the word of God again. Luke 12 and 21, the Lord Jesus said this. So he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And here's this phrase, kept in store. And this phrase has to do with the laying up of treasure. What does that mean? But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store. Do you know what that means, young people? It means this. The earth is very important to the Lord. You see, the earth is his and the fullness thereof, including the sea. It's his sea. The sea is his and he made it. And how dare the causeway coast in Glensborough through its committee object to that portion of scripture being seen even in Port Stewart Harbour. You see, this earth is very precious to the Lord. The Lord is looking after the planet. The Lord is looking after it as one looks after treasure. And what does the Lord treasure tonight? He treasures the planet. It's his. He, of course, treasures its people. We've already read there, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And this world has a wonderful display in itself of the eternal Godhead and power of God. Moses said in Deuteronomy 10 and verse 12, Behold, the heavens and the heaven of heavens is the Lord thy God's, the earth also and all that therein is. And I want to say tonight gladly, men will not be permitted to destroy what belongs to the Lord. Oh yes, ungodly men can abuse the earth. They, they, they can despise the earth. They can misuse it with its valuable resources, but they cannot destroy it. You think tonight of the days of Noah. The universal flood came as God's judgment upon the wickedness and ungodliness of that day. So much so that the flood covered the very highest mountain above it, 15 cubits. But what was at the end of that? You had a covenant promise from God. What was the promise? The sign was the bow in the sky. And what was God saying? Never again would he destroy the earth with a flood. You see, young people, you can trust God. Because God always keeps his word. And to this day, despite that universal flood, the earth continues. Why does it continue? Because it's connected, and I want you to see this, to the promise of a redeemer. You see, God had promised one who was to come into the world and accomplish the great plan of redemption. That, that one was going to redeem a people from before the foundation of the world that was given to him. So you think of this from God's viewpoint. As he speaks from heaven, he says this, I'm going to preserve the earth. I'm going to uphold the world in order to fulfill my covenant promise and redemption. And in the fullness of time, Christ was born. Christ lived a sinless life. Christ died an atoning death. Christ rose again bodily from the dead. Christ is coming back. And you see the existence of a physical earth and the existence of a people on the earth, people who are born, who live and die. It's not an end in itself. There's a purpose to the earth and the people that are born who live and die. And the purpose is this. They are fulfilling God's plan 
It's to enact God's plan of redemption. And even in Noah's flood, the judgment was because of man's sin. But that flood didn't destroy the earth. It cleansed it. Why? So it would be on earth that the great drama of redemption would be carried out. And that God would redeem and save a people. And he would gather them into Christ and they would be his. You see, God is at work even tonight. Fulfilling his covenant promise of Genesis 3.15. The promise of a saviour. And that saviour's promise to you. He's presented to you. And you have an opportunity tonight to acknowledge your need of him. And, and see your sin for what it is. And receive Christ freely offered in the gospel. Here's a question that's asked in Peter's day. Where's the promise of his coming? People said, you can't depend on him. People, others said he, he is slack, meaning he's gone to sleep. Peter answers that. If you look at verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Where's the promise of his coming? It hasn't happened yet. Because God is long-suffering so that his own people, those for whom Christ died, so that not one of them should perish, so that every one of them should come to repentance. So the Lord tonight is upholding the earth. While earth remains, he's fulfilling his word because it's his earth. It's precious to him. It's important to him. And he's upholding it so that Christ could come and Christ would accomplish his redemptive purpose. And that salvation can be applied to precious souls. That's the Lord's plan for the preservation of the earth. Look at our text. Here's another argument. The Lord's plan of purification of the earth. Note the words here, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment. Now, the Holy Ghost uses the word reserved. It's a very strong word, very significant it's an estimate of what the Lord thinks of creation. If we remember Genesis 1 and 31, after he made the earth in six literal days, it says, and God saw everything that he made. Behold, it was very good. That's his overall declaration. And that which he deemed very good, despite the fall, despite the ravages of man's sin, despite the misery that sin has caused in the world, the Lord himself has preserved, most carefully preserved, this earth so that he could fulfill his sovereign plan and purpose. Only this time he's reserved it, not for a flood, but under fire. Look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God. For in the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. You see, the Lord has reserved this world, this earth as we know it, and God has done so in doing so for a day of purification. Therefore, this world will not be destroyed by man's folly. 
This world will not be destroyed by climate change, neither rising temperatures or sea levels. Because God himself has a wonderful plan for the earth. It's a holy plan. It's an eternal plan. It's a purifying plan. Didn't the Lord purify the earth to a degree by Noah's flood? After Noah came out of the ark, sadly and regrettably, sin sprang up again from man's depraved heart and nature. And we can see evidence of that sin on the earth at this minute in time. Remember that the Lord Jesus said in Mark chapter 7, and he says this in verse 21, speaking of man's heart, Mark 7, 21, for from within... Out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, theft, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. The Lord is going to use a much more effective means this time of purging the earth. It'll not be by flood. It'll be by fire. And such a burning is not to entail the destruction of the earth, but its deliverance from sin and wickedness. You think tonight of a silversmith smelting silver, smelting it seven times, and he's drawing the dross off. You've got to think of the work of the smelter. You've got to think of fierce heat. And it's not to destroy the earth, but to purify it. And out of the fire of God's judgment will come a pure and purged new creation. And it will be cleansed and filled for the righteous people of God to live in for all eternity. There's a play in words here. He mentioned kept in store, treasured up, reserved, preciously kept in store, preciously treasured up. Look at Second Peter chapter 2. It says in verse 4, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Verse 5, the same chapter, 2 Peter 2 and 5, And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of ungodly. Understand, young people, this earth that we live in now, is being kept and treasured up by the Lord himself for a day of judgment. Men are running about full of fear about the earth and the end of the world. But this earth will continue until the end of time because this world has been held together not only by the word of Christ's power in order to fulfill the purpose of redemption, but this world has been reserved now to the day of judgment. And I know you're asking me, well, when's the day of judgment coming? I don't know. Listen to these words. We will quote from Matthew. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 36. And this is connected to the second coming of Christ. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. What is going to happen? This world is reserved unto the fire of judgment. Why has it not happened yet? Because God is at work gathering in his people. And he's calling you to repentance. He's calling you to faith in Christ. And God's work will continue until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he ushered in what we call the day of the Lord. Listen again to Matthew. Matthew chapter 24. 
It says immediately after the tribulation of those days, 24 verse 29, shall the sun be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. There's going to be a purging and a cleansing burning for this earth. And it's going to come at the end of the world. This world is going to be made new by the fire of God. It's not going to be annihilated. It's going to be renovated. It's going to be cleansed and renewed. And let me say this. You see, this pollution can be traced back to man's sin. This physical earth that we know is corrupted and polluted and, and groans under the weight of that corruption. And it can be all traced back to man's sin. You see, the corruption of the nations, the ungodly men, the leaders, and so on. It can be traced back to them. They can't see it. They can't understand it. But sin has brought all this about. Listen to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 24. And we read there in the verse 5. Isaiah 24 and verse 5. Listen to the word of God. It says this. The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof. Because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. Why is the earth defiled? Because its inhabitants have transgressed. You've got to think of the wickedness of man's heart, man's sin, his greed, his pride. See, the root cause of pollution and corruption of the earth is connected to the uh, root cause of man's depravity in his own heart. And because of that depravity, the Lord has appointed a day and a time which we will accomplish his eternal purpose. And his eternal purpose, of course, will center in Christ. I want you to think lastly, and our time is going, not only the Lord's plan of preservation of the earth, the Lord's plan for the purification of the earth, but the Lord's plan of perdition of the earth. Notice the last words in the text. If you go back to 2 Peter 3 and 7, it says, and perdition of ungodly men. That word perdition is a strong and fearful word. It means destruction. It's nothing to do with annihilation. It's a reference to the end of all hope, the end of all joy, the end of all life as you know it, and entering into an awful place where you'll realize, like the rich man, you're lost in this awful place called hell forever. And you're there under the eternal punishment of a holy God. Notice the reference, perdition, of ungodly men. Isn't there a solemn truth here? The purging of the earth, of its pollution, is linked to the judgment of ungodly men. Men who live without God. Men who deny God exists. Men who live in rebellion to God. Who say, as the fool have said in his heart, there is no God. Men who are born, God gives them breath and life. Men who live out their life, even intelligent, educated men, prosperous men. And yet they, they live and die and they die in their sins. And Jesus said, if you die in your sins where I am, then you cannot be. And you can imagine ungodly men facing God at the judgment. Standing at the bar of God's judgment. You see, there's a day of reckoning for ungodly men. Let me say this in finishing. 
Ungodly men know there's a God. They're brought face to face with their life of ungodliness. Ungodly men know there's a day of judgment coming. Ungodly men know that in the day of judgment, they have done things that are worthy of death. Listen to the scriptures. It says this in Romans chapter 1 and verse 31, 32, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but of pleasure in them that do them. Peter talks about, for this they willingly are ignorant of. It's not that for this they are ignorant of. Noted the word in verse 5, for this they willingly are ignorant of. In other words, they know it. But they choose to remain in a state of ignorance and a state of defiance. Their ignorance of God's power in creation. Because the whole of creation is a powerful testimony to the eternal powerhead of God and, and God himself. Evolution's a lie, young people. The theory of men, un, ungodly men. But they're also ignorant of the day and power of God in condemnation. The power of God not only to save. He is able to save. He's able to save you tonight if you repent and receive Christ as Lord and Savior. But are you ignorant of the power of God in judgment? Because that day is coming. Let me close. In the first century there was a man called Julian the Apostate. And he knew there was a God. He knew that Jesus Christ was only saviour of sinners. He knew he had a soul. He knew he was a sinner. He knew he needed to repent and, and be saved. But he lived and died in that condition. And in the moment he was dying in the battlefield, he put his hand to his wound as it had blood and he lifted it up into the air and he sort of tossed it into the air. And this is what he said as he died. Oh, thou Galilean, thou hast conquered. And you see, physical death ushers that man into a state of eternal death and condemnation. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. And the judgment of God will bring an end to man's wickedness. It will bring an end to man's schemes and plans. It will bring an end to all his sinful pleasures. And that man will experience for all eternity the horrors of a Christless hell. Imagine being willingly ignorant that God made the world, maintained it and mastered it. And you've known that but you rejected it. And being willfully ignorant of a day and, 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 and the power of God in condemnation. That this God will bring me down to judgment. This God will hold me account. And yet willfully and willingly ignorant of that. That shows you the depth of man's sin and depravity. Do not be ignorant of the day of God. Neither in his power of creation. Or his power of condemnation. Here's the Lord's plan of perdition for the earth. It's the perdition of ungodly men. But it's the pardon of all who repent. And receive Christ as Lord and Savior. I urge upon you tonight. If you don't know Christ. If he's not your Lord and Redeemer. Then receive him as such tonight. In light of his word. 
May the Lord take these few thoughts and bless them to us on this very, very important subject this evening.